0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Let's Talk Parks with Barry Dunn podcast. My name is Becky Dunlap and I am your host. Today we are talking about recruiting and retaining all-star employees. Yes, it's that time of year again where we all start to wonder how to keep those pools open and how to keep those recreation centers staffed. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about strategies that work and we're going to dive into the culture of your organization and how to attract the right staff and how to keep the right employees on your team by creating a culture that is accountable to the values that you've created. So let's dive into it, but first let's talk about what the main issue is. And to do that, all you have to do is turn on the news.
1: The sounds of splashing and laughing won't be heard at most New Orleans public pools. There aren't enough lifeguards to open all the city's pools safely. It is a national issue.
0: Due to a staffing shortage, Aurora pools are on a rotating schedule this summer. Some open only one to five days a week. They're prioritizing the busier pools, making sure they have enough lifeguards watching the swimmers.
1: The city of Austin is offering a $1,250 signing bonus for new hires, as there are only 200 trained lifeguards, and they need more than 700 in total to open all city pools.
2: If we had more lifeguards working year round and available in the spring, then the pool
1: at least would not close. Longtime lifeguards is pushing for his pay to increase to $22 an hour. $16 as a living wage is still not
2: attracting enough people to apply. I think we're
0: all aware by now of the hiring crisis that Parks and Recreation and honestly, all industries are going through right now. And the news stories that you just heard and the stories that you've heard from colleagues across the nation and even the experiences that you've had yourself only demonstrate the need to get at the root of this issue. So today we're gonna to talk about that. And we're gonna talk about strategies that agencies are deploying and that you may want to consider when it comes to recruiting and retaining employees. We're gonna to talk to both Barbara Heller and Nikki Ginger about their experiences and what they've seen regarding this. And then we're gonna dive into a case study. We're gonna to talk to Loudoun County, Virginia about their success in recruiting and retaining employees and the things that they've specifically done that has caused them to become a high-performing and nationally accredited agency. By the end of this episode, you will have new ideas and inspiration for how to think about your culture and values in relation to bringing on new staff. You'll also learn about unique reward and recognition systems that reward the values that you're trying to create in your culture. We'll also talk about benefits and pay and how to maybe rethink some of the non-traditional benefits so that you can incorporate them into your organization. Lastly, we'll talk about how to do all this without a budget and where to start prioritizing. So, stay tuned. I think you're going to love this episode and I can't wait to dive in. But I have to do a shout out for Barry Dunn because we just did our new website for Parks and Recreation. So I'd love for you to go check it out. It definitely represents more of what we do and the direction that we're headed. So if you want to check that out, it's just barrydun.com slash parks libraries. Let's dive into the episode. And to start, let's hear from Barbara Heller. Barbara Heller is well-known in our industry and has had significant impact on our entire field. If you've ever gone to the NRPA Director's School, you've probably seen her there, or she might've led your organization through a strategic planning process. But if you haven't yet, let's hear a little bit more from her in her own words.
3: Let's see. I can go way back. I've been in the industry, actually, for a whopping 46 years, and I started my career working for an agency in Virginia, worked for an agency in Maryland, worked for an agency in Texas, and was a director of two park districts outside of Chicago. Subsequent to that, I started consulting, and I've been doing consulting work for about 17 years.
0: Barbara is frequently quoted and featured in the National Recreation and Parks Association magazine, and in 2022, the annual Parks and Recreation Trends came out, and during that article, Barbara Heller is quoted for saying, the biggest pain point is the recruitment and retention of part-time staff parks and recreation agencies are competing against Starbucks, Amazon, and other private sector companies that provide better salary and benefits. $15 an hour is now the standard, and many parks and recreation agencies are nowhere near that. So knowing that Barbara Heller has decades of experience, but also is really in tune with the challenges of parks and recreation agencies, I couldn't help but want to dive into this issue more. So let's hear from Barbara around what these hiring challenges have done to organizations and how they can start to think about this a little bit differently so that they can build a culture and a place where people want to work and where they want to stay.
3: Yeah, it's really a very acute problem. I work with agencies all around the country, and it is by far the number one pain point, not only for our industry. But all industries, it ends up tremendously impact operations and the quality of the service delivery, quality of maintenance, quality of recreation program, just all all across the board. I think, gosh, what do we do about this? And there's many different solutions The obvious one is, okay, we should pay people more, maybe give some benefits to part-time staff. What agencies don't take into account necessarily is quantifying the cost of this turnover. I think that if the people that are in charge of elected officials, for example, when they approve budgets, don't necessarily take into account the cost involved in turnover, just having to ramp up again with training people, that vicious cycle really ends up being very costly. So I think it really is important for agencies to do some cost analysis of what turnover is costing.
0: This idea of measuring the cost of turnover really intrigued me. And I thought, how do you even go about measuring the cost of turnover? Well, turns out there is a great study done by Eastern Illinois University back in 2007. So yes, it's a little bit dated, but it gives some great information about what should go into measuring that loss. So some of it is actually related to the direct cost. So maybe there's that vacation pay that you have to pay out, unused sick pay, payment for other fringe benefits. Costs associated with exit interviews, just the administrative costs of offboarding someone. There's also this, the indirect costs of the loss of productivity during that time when you're trying to hire someone else. In addition, you may have to provide overtime pay to existing staff to cover their shifts. So that's just the separation costs. But then there's also replacement costs like advertising for the replacement the time for management to screen applications, the interview expenses, the total staff time for those interviews, the staff time for reference checks, the cost of pre-employment testing, any moving costs that your agency might provide, and additional incentives. And then you actually get into the training costs, so the time it takes for managers or other staff to train that new employee. So. I would highly recommend looking at this study if you're interested in how all those numbers come together, but the estimation back in 2007 was that the turnover cost specifically for parks and recreation agencies is somewhere between $4,200 and $14,500. And so that is really telling of the amount of money spent on turnover that is often not quantified, not calculated, and therefore is not weighed into the considerations when you go about improving your workplace culture to keep more employees. So next, Barbara Heller is going to talk to us about why culture matters and how we should start to think about it really as a true factor in our hiring process.
3: So one differentiator is... To have a really great culture, a place that has the reputation of, wow, I'd really like to work there. I would describe culture as it's really like the way we work. When you go visit other companies and other industries, you get a sense of what they're like just by looking at their offices, looking at the way they work, what their values are. But to me, culture is really the personality of an organization. It's really the the beliefs, the norms, the values, really just the way we work. And what's really interesting to me is I love asking employees this question. When I go around the country working with different agencies, I ask employees, hey, describe the organization's culture. And I'm really mystified at how frequently employees have a very difficult time answering that question. And I think it has to do with that culture just rises up organically without any attention, intentional thought being given to let's develop something that describes the way we are and the way we want to be. So I think culture can be one of those components that can really help with talent management and being able to recruit good folks.
0: Nikki Ginger, a senior consultant with Barry Dunn, also agrees that culture and values are incredibly important to retaining staff. In case you missed it, she was also in the last episode that we had, but I couldn't help but bring her back. Nikki Ginger is really the go-to person on our team when it comes to talent development and employee engagement.
4: It's great to be back again.
0: So, Nikki, can you tell us your perspective on this whole thing around recruitment and retention and the impact that it's having on organizations?
4: Yeah, that hands down is a problem for everybody around the nation. Recruitment and retention is just a struggle. We see it very done in nearly every RFP we receive. It's filling social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, different association updates and agencies that are having to really make some tough decisions on what services they'll continue, what they'll discontinue, what they'll outsource. We saw across the nation over the summer that several pools were not opened. It was really a tough year. On the positive side, we're looking at automation a little bit differently. And now we're considering what are things that we could use or do to fill those gaps. Things like autonomous loan mowers and, and kiosks and things like that. So there is some light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully as we learn to adapt as a as an industry, we'll come up with more and more ideas and different ways to recruit and retain our current staff.
0: Nikki, can you talk to us about what culture is in your own eyes and how to go about changing the culture if you happen to be in leadership and you recognize that maybe things aren't going the way that you hoped and your culture is in need of change.
4: Yeah, that is a tough one. So, um... Kind of to talk about what culture is, it's really the driving force of an agency or a department. It's the day-to-day decisions and actions of the organization, the values, the beliefs, the behaviors that impact everyone. It can be really positive or it can be very negative. Culture is what drives people to want to work for and stay at an organization, and it's the policies that make things challenging for employees or supports them in the work they do. It's really expectations placed on everybody, including leadership. Um, A negative culture doesn't happen in one day. It takes years and years of neglect and inefficiencies to build, and it's going to take a lot of time to reset it. So patience is, is probably number one. And you have to start by understanding staff needs, their challenges, and take time to build trust. You can't just assume you know what people want or what they need, you have to be with them. You have to talk with them. You have to listen and start making changes and don't stop. And probably most importantly, make sure that everybody's held accountable to the changes. No one should be excluded based on their tenure or position within the organization. Everyone has to be accountable to making the difference.
0: Knowing that this is an incredibly complex issue and one that is felt across the nation, hopefully, will give you a little bit of comfort. And at this point, you've heard from two consultants at Dan who have a lot of experience and perspective when it comes to this topic. But now I want to get really granular and specific. I want to talk to an agency that is finding success in this area and really living out their values. I had the privilege of talking to Nicole Bassetto and Fernando Avagenet from Loudoun County Parks, Recreation, and Community Services Department. They refer to their department as PRCS, so you may hear that during this conversation. But we're gonna dive into the specifics on what they're doing in Loudoun County and how they position their openings within their agency. And that's impacted not only their recruitment strategies, but how they bring in new employees and how they appreciate and recognize their staff as well.
2: Hi, my name is Nicole Placeno and I am the Projects and Accreditation Manager for PRCS and I lead the department-wide or cross-divisional projects related to our strategic plan and national accreditation. Industry-wide, we've all had difficulty in recruitment and retention, and we're seeing that across the nation, there's been pool closures, there have been limited camp options or affordable childcare, all because it's it's a struggle to staff some of these positions. And I would argue these are vital items that contribute to the health and wellness of these communities. And so that's really the ultimate impact that's being seen across the nation.
0: Thankfully for Loudoun County, they have an amazing recruiting coordinator and you're about to hear from him. You're going to hear Fernando's experience coming into Loudoun County and what he's seen in terms of the growth in the area and how that's changed the way that they position their applicant listings so that it attracts the right employees who are going to stay for the long term.
1: Hi, my name is Fernando Avezanet, and I'm the Recruiting Coordinator for PRCS at Loudoun County, Virginia. This is my first time working for the government and also the parks and recs industry. Loudoun County, Virginia is growing massively. It's just nonstop. It's a very wealthy area as well, where we have to catch up with, with just the growth and, and families coming to the area, the diversity in the area. The market has changed not only applicants, but different interests. Uh, People have changed their perspective in our area where benefits are important, right? Other than just pay, also lifestyle. And we are part of that as PRCS. We build our communities and it's a great opportunity for us to Modify some of our thresholds, how, how we can accept and attract new people in and reflect that throughout those positions. Diversity, and equity, and inclusion has been a, an important thing for our nation, our entire nation, right? And we've made sure that we've incorporated that not only in our values, it's kind of an overarching aspect of our values, but in addition to that, it's been part of our questions, right? So we've made sure that our interviews incorporate diversity, equity, inclusion. We've made sure that even our ads description have included that. So the way we write our ads are very different. The way we, we qualify and our criterias are very different. So we're making sure that we are putting an emphasis when we're into qualifying and attracting people in the parts that are very important for them.
2: Fernando's really done a great job and taking a Dei lens to our recruiting and application process, looking at our interview questions, all those types of things. We just went through our strategic plan process and part of that was actually reevaluating our values as a department. and it was a really great opportunity to let this become a grassroots effort. and the the team members who were a part of that, they were able to work with their peers and people across the different divisions to come up with five new values for our department. And those are excellence, collaboration, innovation, integrity, and resilience. But along with those, and this is from staff feedback for years where we've had values before and the staff are like, well, what does it mean? What what does excellence mean? That's different for everybody. And so this This core group of staff, they actually came together and created these awesome we statements where, for example, excellence, we give our best every time. And so they clarified each of these values to make them a little bit more concrete for all of our team members. And they did a really great job going to everybody, making sure that the values that had been selected or proposed were ones that would resonate with staff and that also these statements meant something to staff. So whether they were on the maintenance, operations or in aquatics or other programmatic areas or even administration level. We wanted these values to really mean something to everybody. What Nicole
0: is describing, I believe, is transformational. And if you are a fan of Brene Brown, she had the great exercise on her website, the Dare to Lead Hub, about operationalizing your organization's values, which is exactly what Nicole is describing here. It's about assigning behaviors to your values so that employees know what they're expected of and they know the values when they see them. They start to understand that when you do certain behaviors, you get rewarded and that certain behaviors are acceptable in your culture. And I think that builds such a healthy organization. I want to dive into this a little bit more. So I asked Nicole what she thought was the value that had the most influence on their team.
2: I would say that collaboration has been one that's been incredibly transformative for this department. And I can say that anecdotally, just in working across many different teams within this department for the last four years, but also from recent staff surveys that we've conducted where we were looking at just the internal cultures and the operations and if, you know, where there might be bottlenecks. And our team members have been fantastic. Where. You get these snapshots in time from the surveys, and you can see compared to four years ago, we are seeing an improvement in communication through collaborative projects. And staff are really appreciative of having the opportunity to be involved in these innovative plans and projects that we are launching. And so I really think that living these values, which are led by our executive team, but also lived by every day by all of our team members, it's just been an incredible impact especially for staff who have been with us but also allows people to come into a structure that's really supportive for that individual to come in, collaborate with the team, to be innovative, to be stronger together. We're very lucky to have an exceptional performance award that where we can offer a lot of you know one-time bonuses for staff members who are going above and beyond and we use those to reward Types of actions where staff are embodying the, the values that we're setting. So maybe they're collaborating on a project or offered an innovative solution or our fail fix award where staff members, maybe they, they, they tried something new and maybe didn't go quite to plan, but we really want to reward this innovative thinking. And then there's also our, our employee assistance award and career development opportunities that we're offering internally as a department. We try to set a culture that's accommodating and caring. And it comes from the top down. Our director, Steve Torbees. he leads the way in promoting that healthy work-life balance. I believe what Nicole is describing is really empowering
0: for their staff. And I wanted to talk with Barbara Heller about some different ideas about rewards and recognition to just bring home this point around how to continue to encourage the types of values that you create.
3: I think from a reward and recognition perspective, if you're going to set up a process, I think it's really important to have a set of internal values that really help guide and help to shape the ability to develop a well-defined culture. But part of the recognition should be that we're connecting what we're recognizing people for is based on our what we aspire to from our vision, what our values are. So employees that are able to provide evidence that they're really supporting the values of the organization, that can really form the basis for recognition. So many times, recognition systems have to do with longevity. And as we all know, longevity is not necessarily the best indicator of employee performance. So those kinds of recognitions, just honoring years of service, it needs to be so much more than that, of honoring people, of their adherence to organizational values. You know, everybody's idea of reward and recognition is different. That's something that's really critically important to identify how it is, that how do people want to be recognized? You may want to be recognized differently than I do. There are some employees that their favorite form of recognition is just a supervisor who continuously affirms their work. And usually, whenever I do any kind of employee satisfaction survey, reward and recognition comes out pretty low, typically. There are some agencies that do fabulous jobs here, but I would say typically it's just not, it's just not something that's built into the, into the culture, affirming employees, honoring good work that's being done by employees. So there are many just even non-monetary types of reward. But then it's also, I think, a good idea to get employees from all across the organization, from different levels of the organization involved in establishing what reward and recognition system should look like. I think that when employees put skin in the game and are involved in developing a program of some sort, I think there's a much greater level of success.
0: I also want to make sure that you hear a specific example, similar to what Nicole was describing, This is from Nikki talking about an agency that's developed a formal program, and this can give you another idea around how to position this
4: reward and recognition system around your values. Another agency, which I think this is fantastic because it ties right into what we're talking about 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 your culture, is this agency allows staff to submit a values card to recognize a coworker for living one or multiple of their district values. and Then every four months, anyone who receives a card, which, which by the way, they're called values champions, are entered into a random drawing to win a $50 award. It's not much money and it doesn't have to be a $50 award. It could be maybe a free access to a fitness center or any type of program that you have internally. Is there something that you can give them that really has a, a net zero cost to the organization?
0: Now that you've heard more about reward and recognition systems, let's go back to Fernando to hear about how this ties back into the recruiting process and hiring for the right people.
1: And PRCS having this opportunity to work with the values and evolving that at this precise time is significant because it ensures that we can continue to emphasize that it's important to hire the right fit and and talent as we're still facing these challenges in the industry after the pandemic and filling out the workforce. From my standpoint as a recruiter, I think overall in the in all industries there's been an impact where recruiters have switched gears thinking that we just have to hire anybody with effects of people that may not match or fit what we're looking for.
0: I asked Fernando to weigh in from a recruiting standpoint about how to position a role like a lifeguard, something that is so seasonal and requires a very specific skill set. And this is what he said.
1: Um lifeguard. It's it's a it's a position that I think the entire nation have had shortage on those. And we've seen it. We've seen a lot of, a lot of it on the news. A lot of beaches have suffered from this as well. We've kind of switched gears where we've provided free training. And we we hire you already with some qualifications before you even have your training certification. So the training certification is still important. We still hold that as a standard. They do get certified. However, the valuation switches where we are qualifying you as almost anybody can, can work for us, right? Value you not just because of a certification, but from who you are and your commitment and what you're looking to do. And once you get certified, we provide that at no cost. It's an extra value for them that we provided that. And it's something that they can carry internationally if they study out of state and they want to come work for us on their winter breaks and in summer breaks, they can still do that. So it's a way for us to attract them back to us.
0: While it certainly is a benefit that you receive your certification for free, there's also the benefit of being able to take that and use it. And other locations. I wanted to ask Fernando and Nicole about the specific benefits that they offer. And then you'll hear Barbara and Nikki's perspective on benefits too. So you can continue to build your list of different ideas for both traditional and non traditional benefits.
2: Well, we are part of Loudoun County government. And so as a government, I think that Loudon is lucky to be able to offer a robust benefit structure. When you look at the package as a whole, where we have longevity leave on, on top of your regular annual leave, uh, sick leave, we also offer education leave and volunteer service leave. There is tuition reimbursement and pay increases for staff who are obtaining new degrees related to their work. We also do offer bonuses for certifications. So if somebody in PRCS is to go and get their CPRP or CPRE, then they would get a one-time bonus for those.
1: I think Loudon County does a great job in making sure that we touch base with every aspect and every person that we have. And they try to also expand that diversity and making sure that we are accommodating to um, different people with disabilities as well and making sure that we're inclusive with our benefits. So that is a huge part of our, of our not necessarily our formal package, but all the initiatives we do to make sure that there's a lot more value behind working with us.
0: We're gonna okay. jump really quickly over to an insight that Barbara had about pay and benefits. And I wanted to make sure that you heard this because it's important. I think it reflects the way that things are changing. And the way that per- the perception is changing of pay and benefits.
3: Yeah, first off, for those agencies that are facing that situation, it, it behooves them to try to do what they can because in today's full employment environment, if you're really behind the eight ball when it comes to pay and benefits, you're automatically, you know, in a world of hurt. So I often think. There's such a difference between the private and public sector when it comes to pay and benefits. 10, 15 years ago, public sector agencies would think, well, we can't do that. Taxpayers are just not going to support us spending money on doing something for employees. Now, recognizing that every industry is challenged with getting good staff on board, I think there might be more receptivity toward doing some flexible things. Recently, I read through the NRPA benefits study, and I looked through it, and I thought, it just seems so old-fashioned in a way that, yeah, we need to be a lot more creative, especially when it's so hard to retain staff. But some ideas are like just providing discounts or free use of some facilities. I've seen some public sector organizations start doing some veterinary care for pets, public transportation benefits, which is really good because it incentivizes people to use public transportation. I read about a a city in California that is extending medical benefits. So if somebody before the age of 65 Retires that they can extend their medical benefits. So those are just some recent things. And then there's the whole notion now of hybrid work, remote work. And some people really view that as a benefit. So those types of work, hybrid work, remote work, they're not going to go anywhere. That's here to stay. And that's really important, really important consideration. And for park and recreation agencies, what's tough about that is that there are many positions that that's not the least bit possible. There are some positions that have to be present, have to be on the job, a park maintenance employee, for example, or somebody that answers phones. And then there's a sense of inequity in an organization for those that are able to work remotely versus those that can't. So paying attention to how do we recognize those that need to be at their work every day.
0: Barbara mentioned the importance of having good pay and benefits really as a foundation for your organization, but she also talked about the need for assessing which jobs can be remote and offer more flexibility. There's also this question in the back of my head though, like how do agencies without any budget go about creating this type of change? And to answer this question, Nikki had some really interesting insights that I want to share with you.
4: That's a great question, and a big challenge especially when we're when we're competing against the private sector who you see all of these benefits being thrown at, at employees and and they still aren't able to hire. But what I think is great here is that there's an incredible amount of research out there about what employees want and it focuses around purpose. All, Of course, everybody wants to be paid well, everybody wants to have great benefits, but purpose, which this field has heaps and heaps of, drives people to go to work every day, to get up in the morning, to do what they do. And staff, and particularly Generation Z, who have been coined the activist generation because they've grown up where there's a lot of movements and, and problems that the world wants to solve, we have a great opportunity to really show that generation how we do make that difference we're everywhere we are the field that 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 really impacts communities and we hear time and time again how we have to be able to tell our story parks and recreation does and We really do. We have to be able to celebrate that. We have to be creative and show the true impact of parks and recreation on our communities and, and how we um, can make a difference. So, Regardless of what role that you're in, how you can impact that, that young person who doesn't have a good home life or that senior who the only interaction that they have with other individuals is when they come to your park. I think what
0: Nikki is saying about purpose and aligning that with Parks and Recreation is really spot on. And Barbara had another idea, too, that I want to share with you. It's about some
3: different ways to structure your organization or at least start thinking about it. So as far as, okay, we have no money to work with. Another thing to look at is just how are we structured? It seems as though invariably the majority of agencies I work with will tell me that they feel as though they're really top heavy. I think that many park and recreation agencies are very leadership heavy, very management heavy, which to me is a very expensive way to do business. So, if there's lots of layers of hierarchy, so are there opportunities to reprioritize positions? And I'm not talking about just laying people off, getting rid of positions just for the sake of getting rid of them, but through Retirements, that's always a really good time to take a look at, do we really need this position?
0: Fernando also weighed in about how PRCS has considered restructuring some of their positions as well, which has opened up new opportunities for some creative staffing.
1: So for us, PRCS has, has tried to restructure not only because of the lack of staffing, but in a sense of community and how it's continues to grow.
0: Nicole also added that by restructuring and really allowing for more collaboration across the department, it's led to more organizational
2: success. So. Looking at these internal structures that you have, you know, maybe your structure within the department creates silos. It doesn't actually enhance teamwork or communication across the department. That's something that you can do internally that isn't resource heavy and will really help bring your team members in on this process so they can collaborate on this. They can be a part of developing the solution, which of course helps ultimately you know, employee buy-in, but really gives them pride in, in the process and the end outcomes of what you're doing in the department
3: first of all it's really a great step when there's acknowledgement that we need to do something to change our culture a lot of that has to do with the leadership of the organization but if leadership recognizes you know what our culture is not really strong we need to do something about it i think number one acknowledging that great first step the next step is Let's assess where we are in terms of our culture. There are many different instruments that can be used. So having conversations about it, applying strengths and weaknesses of existing culture, putting in some steps to work toward the desired culture, I'd say that's the best approach to take.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Let's Talk Parks with Barry Dunn. I hope that this episode not only inspired you and maybe informed a new way of thinking when it comes to recruitment and retention to include culture and values into that conversation. I especially want to thank Nicole and Fernando from Loudoun County, Virginia, their Parks and Recreation and Community Services Department. Very grateful for sharing their story and thank you for trusting us with your strategic plan can learn more about them at loudon.gov. If you'd like to learn more about the services that Barry Dunn provides, you can go to slash parks libraries Thanks so much, and until next time, let's talk
3: parks.